Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation with two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and the world of pop culture. So we decided to combine the two. I'm Kara Kirby. And I'm Virginia Martinez. We work with organizations all over the world to inspire and implement people-first practices. We're here to talk about navigating the workplace, and we do it through the lens of great television. Our first two seasons are dedicated to Ted Lasso. Join us as we unpack the leadership lessons in each episode. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. We are covering season two, episode four of Ted Lasso, and it is the beloved Christmas episode, Carol of the Bells. Um, Kara, how much do you love this episode? Love this episode so much. I think I cried the entire way through the first time I watched it. Maybe only halfway through because like halfway it gets really sentimental. And then I was just like, "Eh." are you, let me ask you this. Are are you (laughs) a big, like how big do you do Christmas? And there's no right or wrong answer. Like, are you a big fan of Christmas? Okay. So um, Christmas, I have a very weird relationship with because I didn't grow up with a lot of money. So Christmas for poor kids is a, is a little bit weird because you, go to school um, on, you know, the first day back and like everybody's talking about all the kind of stuff that they got. And like, you're like, oh, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) So, but, but I've had to learn how to get over that. And also it's not, my parents are just very non-traditional. So they're kind of like Christmas is all about consumerism and waste. And so like, I have all of these very weird messages that are in my head about Christmas that sometimes Christmas can trigger. So for my two boys, I like try to like, not let that get in the way sometimes because my husband was, you know, he had like the magical Christmases where, you know, everyone ran down the stairs and like had all the gifts and things like that. So it's really, it's really special to him. He's really meticulous about, you know, like what they get. And, and so I, it's, it's just a weird thing for me because I, I don't want my crap invading their Christmas, but sometimes my crap yeah. still comes up. Right. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think something you said that's really interesting that I not struggle with, struggle is probably the strong word, but this idea of traditions and this like pressure to like not mess with them, but also as you get older and should you partner up and like build a family or, you know, whether it's for friends or whatever, but you start creating your own traditions and the tension that creates, you know, I am between my Sagittarius sun, Leo moon and Taurus rising, like I don't like doing things out of obligation. So I don't like, well, this is the way we've always done it. Like just in any setting kills me. So that's a tough place to come from with, with something that people are just like steeped in tradition. Like I, I, I see it. I agree. It's like totally consumerism and, you know, yet I kind of buy into it, but I see it as this like really big time of generosity. Like I like do a ton of baking, go to my friend's houses, drop off little gifts. Like I encourage my girls to make like handmade gifts. We like do cards. Like, so I see it. I try to like instill that in them, but I'm not like, oh, this is the one meal we have to have every year. Like stuff like that kills me. And yet 
it's like you that that time of year you're navigating a lot of like these expectations <laughs> for sure it's a complicated time but i also think it's really sweet when people can keep the magic yes. like what yes what if my best friends who like she loves christmas like it's her favorite time of the year she gets so wrapped up in it and it's just like i i I mean, I feel this way about a lot of things, but like, I wish I could have that just like absolute joy around the holiday. Yeah. And I think maybe too, it's figuring out what it, what it means to me now that like, I, I do have yeah. a fan, I do have my own family. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, again, I don't want to use the word struggle, nor do I want to use the word bittersweet, but there is like a really mixed bag of emotions when Christmas comes around. Totally. I am also like the, you know, a kid of divorced parents, um, you know, d daughter of immigrants as well. So like, again, sort of navigating what everyone else did and what I didn't. But um, I really love Christmas. I go all out in the decorations. Um, okay, but let's pause here. What do you not go all out with? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like less about Christmas and just like, it's all about it's more, it's more of an excuse for you to take the things that are in your wild imagination and bring them to fruition. <laughs> okay. Well, I do love a good theme. And then when like the theme is apparent, like I just do go, okay, that's true. That's true. Maybe it's less about, you know. FYI to all of our listeners, Virginia's Halloween costume was so on point this year that it got retweeted by the actual TV show that her and her family were being. <laughs> <laughs> ah! oh my gosh yes i i do like a good assignment you know yeah um and assignment christmas i try to get an a plus plus on um how many christmas throw pillows is too many we'll never know <laughs> but okay so this <laughs> this episode um is really darling for yes the backdrop is christmas and just a little bit of context here it is um ted's first christmas away from his family and also first christmas post-divorce right so it's like gonna be emotional we know the other thing worth noting is that um we also find out that every year higgins and his adorable precious family invites over the players who aren't going home or might want like you know, a sense of home or whatever over, over Christmas. And in the past, maybe one or two players have showed up. And so keep that in mind as we go into this. So um, I think I just want to talk about, well, I want to talk about all, but like, I want to kind of like talk about Ted and Rebecca just a little bit, because I actually want to focus most of our time on the Higgins dinner. <laughs> <laughs> We never know who we love more. Is it Sam? Is it Higgins? You know, it goes back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, oh, and I forgot. There's also the storyline of oh. Roy Keeley and and Phoebe too. I, how could I forget that? So, really quickly, Roy and Keeley had lined up this sort of sexy, you know, jazzy swinging Christmas. Turns out Phoebe's. Um, mom got pulled into surgery so roy is taking her for the day so their plans get side of sidetrack and given that phoebe now is experiencing some form of like halitosis they go on this like uh unexpected door-to-door -door ringing of the bells to find a dentist okay we'll we'll talk about that too but okay where do you want to start let me let me give you the gift let me practice this generosity where would you like to start 
Okay, can I start for a second? I know that this is probably a, this might be grasping at straws a little bit, but I think that we can draw a parallel to the way that Roy and Keely are solving the problem with Phoebe to normal problems and how they get solved, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, Go so follow, follow, follow me with this, all right? So you got, you have like a bad situation that's happening. So Phoebe is getting bullied at school because her breath smells so bad. Like that is the main point of this story. And so then she gets dropped off. And then, so all these bad things have been happening and nobody has been curious to try to figure out like what's going on. And then as soon as she starts opening up to Roy, Roy gets defensive and he's like, who's this little kid? Rawr, 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 rawr. And then they smell her breath and then they gag, right? So he, um, it, it, Keely's got this. It is one of the most like hilarious physical comedy moments. They're like, it can't be that bad. Okay. And then their facial reactions, you're like, oh my gosh, how bad is it? Yeah. <laughs> And, and Keely has this great quote where she says, problems are like mushrooms. The longer that you keep, in the, keep them in the dark, the worse that they get, which is, I mean, we could talk about that for days inside of the corporate environment, how people just like, they get all defensive. They make all these assumptions. They have all these accusations when in reality, they should figure out what the problem is and come together as a team to solve it. So there's my there's yeah. my deep analogy there, or or yeah. this hesitation to bring it up if you're struggling, Ooh. right? Like, or you like suppress it or repress it. Like the problem doesn't go away just because you don't talk about it. You know? Totally, or you're embarrassed to talk about it, right? So like her yeah. Phoebe didn't want to talk about her breath because she was so embarrassed, and then all these things were going on around her. But then, so what happens is, is that her breath is so bad. They say this is actually a good thing. It means that there's a problem that's medical and we can fix it. Yeah, it's out of your control, right? It's mm -hmm. these things that you're embarrassed about are actually out of your control. So let us help you. And and so often that happens is that and like people, they, they will, they don't look at the problem together and the problem mm -hmm has a solution so if people mm -hmm. just kind of put their egos aside they're like i have bad breath right now then <laughs> it's not gonna be that big of a deal right like yeah so anyways that's my it's my 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 deep analogy yeah. there on phoebe's yeah. don't yeah don't repress or suppress things especially around people that you know have your best interest in mind yeah that will help you collectively find a solution. Yeah, I love it. Sorry, one more thing on that. There's this really yeah. great quote inside of Fierce Conversations. I quote them all the time because I used to teach this class every single day of my life. So this is redundant. It is what it is. <laughs> but there's this really great quote that where, where you ask people inside of that session, like what happens from the missed conversations? Like what happens mm. inside of a culture? What happens inside of a team from not having the conversations? And it always spurs this really, really interesting, insightful conversation of so many bad things happen just because people are afraid to talk about the elephant in the room or the bad breath. Right. It'll have like ripple effects. Totally. Yeah. 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 Just have the conversation. It's probably not that bad. You can fix it. Yeah. What? Yeah, no, I love that. And then the other sort of smaller... Theme. Well, it's not that small, but like um, Ted and Rebecca. So Ted is depressed, drinking whiskey alone and watching It's a Wonderful Life, like <laughs> kind of a sad scene. Um, 
And then Rebecca shows up and says, hey, come with me. And we find out that Rebecca every year um, does this sort of like gets letters from kids from families who don't can't fulfill their like list, right? For financial or socioeconomic reasons or whatever reasons. And she'll show up at their door, surprise them with a giant bag of gifts. And so she figured one, Ted shouldn't be alone, right? She had sort of experienced her first year of a holiday post-divorce and remember what it was like, but then brought him along on this and how his mood changed immediately. Hence the reason I cry this entire episode. Yeah, it just sort of reminds you of, um, and mind you, Rebecca could have gone to Elton John's house. (laughs) She did have an invite. Yeah, and she chose to spend her time giving back, right? And, um, but there's that little line in there. She's like, I, you know, I usually do it, but I didn't do it last year because I was home depressed and like plotting some evil things, which, and Ted jokingly like was like, like what, which was to hire this American coach to sabotage the team and like try to bring him down, which, you know, we know by the end of season one, she has fessed up to and, and apologized for, but just the difference of like your headspace, right. That like, when you are not, you talk about this a lot, like when we are not at our best, the decisions we make, the sort of, you know, train of thought we can go on is like a train in the wrong direction. Like, look how that ended up versus, you know, now that she's in a better place with Ted, like how she's spending her time and just like the difference it can make of your mindset. I think, I think that, I think this season we see like how magnificent Rebecca is and because she's getting rid of her pain and she's healing, she's just becoming that much more magnificent every single day. And that, I mean, that is the case for whenever you start to heal and really get in touch with yourself and face your demons, you know, like every, I don't know, this is, I, I think everybody is magnificent. It's like, we just get in our own way sometimes. Yeah. The other thing that was sort of in, in on display, um, for those of you who listened to our bonus episode after season one, where we sat down with our friend Sandia and went deep into the Enneagram, she mentioned that, you know, based on her sort of typing, of course, it was not scientific, but that both Roy and Rebecca are types eight and show up differently. And I, I felt that in this episode, too, that we saw what a type eight right? The challenger might show up as when they are not at their best, right? Mm -hmm. Early season one, Rebecca, and a type eight when they are at their best, taking control of a situation and using their strengths for good. You know, both Roy and Rebecca did that in a way, right? And um, anyway, I was just reminded of that rewatching this episode. Yeah, totally. Like they can conquer the world or they can destroy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, we fear you, Eights, but we definitely want you on our side. <laughs> we need you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Now, let's talk about the Higgins dinner. Oh, please. Okay, let's do it. All right. So Higgins and his beautiful family and his beautiful self opens up his doors to all of the players who can't go home for their own respective holidays. And he tells them all, which is something we we will talk more through. He tells them all to bring dishes that are close to their heart. And he just 
everyone goes and shares a meal and it's just warmth and lively laughter. It's just, it's a beautiful part of this episode and of this, of this Christmas theme that is this episode. And where historically one or two players show up, there was like 12 came this year or something. I lost count. Um, And that dish thing is really, and we'll talk about this because there's like definitely a metaphor in there, but the other thing related to the dish thing is that when they were all in Higgins house, which is not their home, they kind of made themselves feel at home. Like they could be themselves in the house. So the guys that wanted to play with his kids and the Nerf guns did that. The guys that wanted to play video games did that. The guys that wanted to help set the table did that. There was like, you could see that there was a high level of comfort in everyone showing up as themselves. And so the, the, the way they really brought that to life was that every time someone walked in the door, they were either carrying a dish or tree or drink that represented their background. Um, and they were contributing it to this larger meal. And it got us thinking about how the way people talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and yet mess it up all the time, <laughs> you know, like it's not enough to have players from all different backgrounds right? That's like, that's the first, that's like a diversity, but inclusion is inviting them to a dinner and belonging is letting them be themselves and being celebrated for that. And so that's what happened over the course of that evening. And it was really beautiful to watch. Yeah. Right. So like, I think that if you expand on that metaphor, if Higgins would have told everyone to come to his house, but he would have said, you're going to eat my food. You're going to sit where I tell you to sit. And we're going to talk about what I want to talk. And you're going to do what I tell you to do. It, it wouldn't have had the same effect. Like that was diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, like in action by letting people mm-hmm. come and bring a piece of themselves. Um, I, so I, there's a lot, I, I read culture books like crazy just because I am just fascinated on the good and the ugly of like building a great culture and where bad cultures actually come from. And, um, and the good culture side there, um, in, in one of these books, they talk about Greg Popovich, who was the longtime coach of the Spurs and the Spurs just had a really, really amazing career. And that's one of the things that he did that was really special that they called out on the, in the, in this segment, talking about all the amazing things that he did to build a, a, a great team culture is that he would, every time he would get a new player, he would find out what their favorite meal was from their home and he would take the team and they would all go and they would eat and everyone would experience that food that was close to their home. Isn't that cool? Oh, I love that. And small little side note, I love that story and I love Popovich, but you listeners should know this, that when Karen and I were brainstorming names for this podcast, like Popovich came up. And so the idea like, Pop on leadership, obviously, is a reference to pop culture. But like, when we heard pop, like, I don't know, it all kind of clicked because we had just been talking about the coach. And we just like, yes, that's a sign. Like, it's yeah, we should do totally. this. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of when we were brainstorming our names. Yeah. Okay. I know that this doesn't have anything about leadership and org development, but I, if you were joining a new team, <laughs> I'm springing this on you too. Yes. If you yeah, were yeah. joining a new team, what would be the food that you would bring to the team that represented like home to you? Oh, um, probably. Okay. I could answer this a bunch of different ways, but I, I would, I would probably bring real, let me repeat that real New York bagels, (laughs) not, 
necessarily any bagels you find in any place that claim they are New York bagels. Although you can find things that are close, but that's what I would bring. And if you follow Virginia on social media, it's 33% of her content is just bagels. <laughs> Mine, I'm from Texas, so it would be it would be um, Mexican food. It would be like chips and queso and enchiladas and guacamole. All right. So here's my deal. So I live in North Carolina now and like the produce here isn't great. So California is totally fine. You guys are in a good boat. But in Texas, because it's it's so much further south, the avocados and the tomatoes are red. Like the produce is just really amazing. It's not as great here. And so like I, I'm the way about guacamole as you are about bagels. Like I like Mex like Yes, it's it's a whole thing, but it it needs good avocados. My husband always thinks I'm such a snob, but I need a good tomato. No, totally. and I need good avocado. That's a good question. I love it. I love it. I love it. No, um, that's came up. The other the other thing was like if I think about my grandmother, gnocchi come up. So they're like the Italian pasta that's made out of potatoes. They're like little dumplings. Ooh. So that's like a big tradition in my family. Um, in fact, the 29th of every month, we try not we sometimes it's just not possible because we're not home or whatever. But on the 29th, we eat gnocchi every month as a family. Oh, that's sweet. See, beautiful. Yeah. But it's yet another carb, yet another carb. Notice <laughs> not one vegetable has entered <laughs> my suggestions. It's bagels and gnocchi. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And if you like both, you can have a knish, which is potato inside of a carb. <laughs> so, um, Well, anyway, this was just a delightful episode overall. It was funny because in the beginning, you and I were like, oh, what are we going to talk about that feels like it aligns to organizational development? But then rewatching it, stuff definitely came up. Yeah, there's a whole theme around food. <laughs> But I, I think that a way to close this is to think about the table that you are inviting people to. If you want to be really intentional about making good things happen from that table, it's not just, it's not like you don't just give people an invite. You make the chairs comfortable. You tell them to bring food. You make it so that they feel safe to be themselves whenever they are inside of that room. For the love of everything, don't just invite one person of a certain color. Don't invite just one woman. Invite a representation that can give you the best ideas and give you the best vibe from that group. And God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Tiny Tim. <laughs> and don't forget about Tiny Tim. <laughs> it's a Christmas episode, so I, it was tempting. Okay, lovely. That is beautiful. I totally ruined how gorgeous Kara's wrap-up was. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody, for joining, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez, who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs>